Artificial. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Thursday, September 14th, 2023. Happy birthday, Maddie, and happy birthday, Lauren. Artificial, what we're talking about is grass and turf and artificial turf. Because lest you think that the Aaron Rodgers Achilles tear would not reverberate like the way his Achilles did as it rolled up his calf upon being torn, you'd be wrong. It required immediate statements, waiting for Aaron Rodgers to talk, which he did, saying, I'm gonna rise again like the Phoenix and all the other things. I'm gonna come back and good luck. Love you guys, we wanna know. But what we were waiting for happened yesterday. Waiting for the union, the union to step up and say, we want grass. Now unions have said that many times before. Except when they say it, they're generally referring to the drug policy on marijuana. Very big deal. We don't want you testing for marijuana. We want freedom of grass. The other part of the grass that players like is to play on it. Baseball, football makes no difference. Artificial turf is bad for players' health. And anything that is bad for players' health, and I'm not talking about the E60, the turf war, which is a great episode you should watch about the potential correlation of cancer and those who play on artificial turf with the tire bits, with the recycled tires. I'm talking about knees, legs, lower extremities, which leads to surgeries, lack of service time, lack of pay, lack of opportunity. So unions are always in favor of anything that will enable a player to play longer and make more money. Owners are always in favor of things that will enable players to play more and make less money. That may sound incredibly cynical for a Thursday morning, but I want to frame the argument that is being had right now about artificial turf in the NFL around the concept that we touched on after Aaron Rodgers got hurt, which is why there are artificial turf fields in the NFL. What the practical issues, economic issues are regarding the expense of turf, artificial turf versus grass. Go back and listen to the episode, but to some arise, it's cheaper to have artificial turf. The union when they're negotiating a collective bargaining agreement, has every opportunity to choose issues it wants to bargain. The owners and management, when they're entering into a collective bargaining agreement negotiation, have every opportunity to lay issues on the table that they want to bargain. A CBA comes together when you take both lists of what the issues are, you negotiate, you come to resolution, and you write the resolution in a document that becomes the collective bargaining agreement. If there are issues that either don't come up at all, or they come up and then get let go in trades that go back and forth during negotiation, but under any scenario, they don't end up in the final document, that's the end of the discussion. The power of the union is the power of the agreement. 
any say that a union has over an issue is a say that is articulated in detail in the agreement. There is nothing in the NFL's collective bargaining agreement that requires NFL stadiums to be natural grass. If the players so badly want that, they can make that an issue and not be willing to trade it away. The owners, should they accept that issue, will only make all stadiums grass if they get other concessions which then will force the players to decide how badly they want to play on grass. These things that happen during an agreement, like injuries to a star player, do you know how many calls the NFL got from sponsors when Aaron Rodgers got hurt? Do you know how many calls they got from their broadcast partners saying, oh my God, what do we do now? No one's gonna watch, I want my money back. Zero. The financial impact of Aaron Rodgers' injury, no matter what people are telling you on other shows or what people want you to believe or what you think to be true, the actual financial impact to the NFL of Aaron Rodgers getting hurt on turf at MetLife Stadium in his first game, first series without completing a pass is zero. It didn't stop the union and the new executive director. Do you remember DeMarie Smith used to run the Players Association? Then he was replaced by Lloyd Howell, a very accomplished individual, a great representative for the players. And he was put in a position where he had to make a statement regarding turf versus grass. And so he did. And here's the thing about the statement that I enjoyed the most. He said, moving all stadium fields to high quality natural grass is the easiest decision the NFL can make. The reason why he started the statement with a sentence like that is what would have been amazing is if he could have started the statement with moving all stadium fields to high quality natural grass is required by the collective bargain agreement in the next three years. We are looking forward to the change taking place, which will be a benefit to both players and their health and therefore the quality of play in the NFL. That would be a statement you could make if the owners had to do it. But him saying it's the easiest decision the NFL can make implies that it's the NFL's decision. And he's right. The players overwhelmingly prefer it, he continued, and the data is clear that grass is simply safer than artificial turf. No one's arguing, except Roger, which we'll get to. He may be absolutely right that grass is safer than turf, and I happen to totally agree with him. But it's irrelevant as it relates to having grass versus artificial turf. And this may sound harsh and may sound cynical, but I'm just trying to inform you why things happen the way they do. It may be absolutely right that artificial turf is less safe than grass. But if the owners don't wanna do it for financial reasons and they're not forced to, then that's it. He then said, while we know there's an investment to making this change, there's a bigger cost to everyone in our business if we keep losing our best players to unnecessary injuries. Let me stop you there. 
Load management in the NBA, let's change the rules. Let's make sure that we get as much broadcast money as possible and ticket revenue as possible because we want our stars to play. Fine. In the NFL, we've learned you could put two pretty crappy opponents on TV. Al Michaels will be upset about it, but millions and millions are going to watch as though it's the world damn series. We know that you're going to play your fantasy and those who have Aaron Rodgers on fantasy, you make a trade, you sit him, you get another quarterback, you move on, you're watching games. Sponsors, when they're allocating their budget for sponsorship dollars that are given towards sports and then within sports given toward leagues, it never comes up. Well, there's too many injuries. We absolutely are not going to give as much money to the NFL. We're not going to allocate as much because of turf. Artificial. Never comes up. Keeping our best players playing, boy, as a team president, I agree. Having players injured absolutely stinks. If we had any sort of ability to make a financial decision where we would say, here's what we're gonna do. We believe that the pitchers are getting Tommy John because of turf versus artificial turf versus grass. We believe pitchers are getting injured because of the height of the mound. We believe pitchers are getting hurt because of dot, dot, dot. Pitching's not natural. Unless we change the entire game, pitchers are going to get hurt. The only solution, don't sign them long-term. How about football? I got an idea. Here's a way to stop injuries and to cut down, what are they called? Let me see what the head of the union said. I think he just said it. Unnecessary injuries. You know what's unnecessary? People in your union leading with their head. Having equipment be so good that there's no risks in the players' minds as they run 100 miles an hour and hit someone as hard as they can. I got a way to make unnecessary injuries better. Take face masks off the helmets. Let's go back to leather helmets. Let's go back and maybe just make it rugby. But then the statement by the executive director continued. And here's where it gets good regarding what we talked about. It makes no sense, S-E-N-S-E, -E, that stadiums can flip over to superior grass services when the World Cup comes. Hmm. It does make sense, C-E-N-T-S, that the stadiums do that. So Roger Goodell sees this statement and he says, ah, oh, crikeys, I got to say something now. I have no choice and I really don't want to, but I guess I'm just going to have to. So Roger Goodell, when presented with the statement by the head of the players union, the best he could come up with. Roger, is anybody helping you? You have other players who like playing on the turf field because it's faster. So you've got mixed opinions. What we want to go on is science. We want to go on what's the best from an injury standpoint. Uh-oh. Raj, my main man, my $60 million mentor. 
When asked to respond to what the head of a players union says about turf versus grass, right on the cusp of Aaron Rodgers getting hurt and being out for the year, here's a better idea for a statement. If you're trying to build and maintain and improve the relationship with the Players Association, which is always number one on management's list, they always say it is. Rob Manfred says that too. We all say it. Hey, we want to have a better relationship with players. Their toes are crossed, their fingers are crossed, their tongue is crossed. But if you want to do a statement responding to the Players Association statement, how about this? There is no doubt that players getting injured is a great concern to the National Football League and its member teams. Anything that we can do to limit injuries, we want to consider in conjunction with the Players Association. If that includes taking a look at fields and whether they should be artificial turf or grass, that is something we would be more than willing to discuss at the appropriate time. In parentheses, during a negotiation. But where the players who are standing up and saying that they like playing on turf because it's faster, if you actually have players who are saying that, I want names. I want names right now because then what you're doing is what all management tries to do, which is split the union. Union tries to split the owners, management tries to split the union. I want players to stand up and stand behind that comment. We like turf, we want turf. But don't say other players like playing on turf because it's faster. It's a bunch of horse hockey. Injuries, bad, they're so bad. Did you see what happened yesterday? And I can root against players when I trade them because I don't want them to be good, even though I wish them well, and I hope they're good publicly, but privately you want them to be bad because you want to look better when you make the trade. Steve Cohn and Billy Epler are not rooting for Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer to lead their teams to the American League Championship Series. I promise you that, no matter what they say. Yesterday, news came out that Max Scherzer is out for the year. O-M-G. They didn't say he's out for the whole year. What they said is he's out for the rest of the regular season. And I laughed because there's only 17 games left. Roughly, we said it from yesterday, three weeks. He has a strain of his terrace major. That's not a three-week injury. So to keep a, a modicum of credibility, the GM, former player, former member of the commissioner's office, a rising star in baseball on the management side, Chris Young, he said, unlikely he pitches in the postseason. Yeah, that's true. Now, unlikely like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber type of unlikely. Like one in a million? Yeah, so you're saying there's a chance. That's about the chance that Scherzer has of pitching in the postseason. The same chance that Lauren Holly is going to look at Jim Carrey and say, hey, I'd like to be with you. I feel terribly for Max. I actually do. No, I don't want to see a player get injured. I'd rather see a player. This is true. I'd rather, as my time back when I was running a team, I'd rather see a player play and be bad than a player be injured. 
So I don't root for a player to be injured. It's no fun. I don't like players being injured. It's a terrible waste of money and waste of talent. But when you're the Texas front office and you get the call and you're the owner and you get the call from Chris Young that Max is out for the year, it's a level of despondency. I'm trying to bring you into my head when I would get the calls that a player is getting Tommy John or this player hamstring out six to eight weeks. All you do is fast forward to where you're going to be versus where you thought you'd be. And when you do that in your head, you always assume you're gonna be in a better place than where you actually end up. No one makes a trade at the deadline saying, no, we're doing this to stay where we are. Maybe even be worse. You do it the other way to say, I think we're gonna run away with the division now. We're gonna clinch a wild card early, set up our rotation and make a run right through October. That is certainly the mentality that teams have at the deadline. And remember in baseball, there are two deadlines. The trade deadline, which is supposed to be the only deadline, which was on August 2nd this year. That's the deadline where all trades have to be made. But then we talked about the waiver deadline on August 31st. That's when your postseason roster needs to be set. So any player who is on your roster or injured, but in your organization, those are the eligible players. So there's there were all of those trades that happened. Do you remember when we all made fun of Artie Moreno? Everyone said Artie Moreno went for it. And then all of us at the deadline, bringing in all these players. And then Otani got hurt. Trout stayed hurt. The Angels had a terrible record after the trade deadline, and they decided to cut bait, save money, and put players through waivers. And there were articles. Terrible for baseball. Rules have to be changed. We can't have this happen. And I tried to give you a sense of normalcy that that is what even used to happen in the old days when you would acquire a player in May or June and say, let's see how we do. And if we don't do well enough, we'll move them again before the July 31 deadline. Standard operating procedure, and it makes total sense. We sat here and told you that the Cleveland Guardians were throwing money away on August 31st when they claimed all those Angels players. Now, the complimentary column inches that went to the, the I was going to say Indians again, that went to the Guardians, and they do have a very, very smart front office and a wonderful manager. Quick side note here, Tito Francona is likely managing his last three weeks in baseball. A certain Hall of Famer, a World Series winning manager, one of the most interesting people I'd met during the course of my career. And, uh, a tip of the cap, Terry, a hell of a run that you had. So the Guardians bring in these players under the theory that we can catch the Twins. Totally disregarding math, standard deviation, history, when we tell you that the stands that are in August are the stands they are in September as the stands they are at the end of the season. Are there exceptions? Of course. Are there teams that can get so super hot that they can overtake and then maintain? We thought it would be the Mariners after their August. Maybe they're the example. There are examples of teams that fold like the Mets up seven, however many years ago. 
Scott Riley, what year was that? Maybe 2007 when the Marlins finished them off with Dan Ugla at the end of the season when Tom Glavin had the worst start of his Mets career. He was pitching against uh, Dontrell Willis, I believe. So that could have been 2006 or seven. So there are collapses that take place, but the overwhelming majority, you are where you are. So people criticizing the Yankees for letting Harrison Bader go, give me a break. Harrison Bader's hitting 208 with the Cincinnati Reds. Harrison Bader wasn't gonna help the Yankees make the playoffs. No one was gonna help the Yankees make the playoffs. They weren't gonna make the playoffs. So if you can get rid of a player and save money, of course you do that. In any business, you do that. Anytime you have extra expenses that are not generating any sort of revenue for you, those expenses are going to be cut. The delusion of teams thinking that they can be the exception. That is the currency that feeds these waiver claims. It's the currency that feeds the decision to be a buyer versus a seller. Let's get Lucas Giolito. What a great idea. He's 0-2 with an 11.7 ERA for the Cleveland Guardians. And there's nothing the Guardians can do. Now they can put him on waivers and hope someone claims him. And there's a better chance that I'm still growing. Justin Verlander was brought in to help Houston through the postseason. Houston was in a position where at the time, now I, I'm gonna need you coke on this. On August 31st, oh no, it was July 31st, excuse me, sorry, 4869. On August 2nd, when Justin Verlander was traded to the Houston Astros, were the Houston Astros behind the Rangers by like, my memory is two and a half games, but they were in position to win a wild card. So they knew that they were either gonna win the division, win the wild, be one of three wild cards, but bringing Justin Verlander in is a postseason trade. The Texas Rangers thought the same thing of Max Scherzer. Does that make it better? When the Orioles did the same thing with Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty is one and two with a 7.16 since he got acquired by the Orioles. The Astros were a half game back, but it was August 2nd was the deadline. Oh, but July 31st was the trade, Coca. So the Astros were a half game back of Texas. Verlander's been fine. Five and three with a 3.86. He's definitely a top of the rotation guy. You put him in in the playoffs, no problem. Him or Valdez, when the Astros start their quest to defend their championship as the reigning World Series champions. But the downstandings people, the downstandings teams, you're just chasing Amy. Max Scherzer's done, the Rangers are done. The Astros are not. All right, we come back. We're going to do something a little different for the review. So hang in there. And then we're going to answer a question that you asked me about something going on in Oklahoma City. We don't talk about Oklahoma City much on the show, but this is pretty cool. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. 
Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. This is David Sampson and Matthew Coca. We come to you every day, 8 o'clock live on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. We are quite excited to finally get into the Meadowlark Studios in New York City when they are available for live programming. That will be good. We come to you because you keep coming back to us. We appreciate that. Tell your friends, tell your family. Join our family because we have fun. I watch a movie every day, and I did watch a movie yesterday, and I also watch TV shows now, and I keep a list in my phone of the current shows I'm watching. It's under current shows under notes, and it's the name of the shows I'm watching, and then when the finale is. So like, only murders in the building, August 8th to October 3rd, Tuesday. So I know new episodes come out on Tuesdays. Well, just yesterday I added the morning show, September 13th to November 8th, Wednesday. The first two episodes dropped. I watched the first two episodes. And I wanted to mention something that came up in the first 10 minutes or so of episode one. Jennifer Aniston, it's a phenomenal show. If you haven't watched the first two seasons, watch them. It is truly a look at a morning show with great acting, great writing. Jennifer Aniston stars as Alex Levy, and she is interviewing someone like a therapist. And the therapist was asking a question to the character played by Jennifer Aniston. And it's a question that I asked myself right after I saw it and I wanna ask you. They were talking about life and death and being alive and feeling alive. And the question was, please complete this sentence. I feel most alive when blank. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? The first thing that came to my mind is I feel most alive when the red light goes on at 8 a.m. every day. I'm not embarrassed by that and I'm okay with answers by people, whatever you answer. I feel most alive when I went skydiving. I feel most alive when I am watching my children play sports. I feel most alive when I see my significant other smile. I feel most alive when I wake up in the morning. The best thing about this question is there's no right answer. And I'm in no way embarrassed by my answer. I embrace my answer. And that really is my answer. I feel most alive when I'm with all of you. So let me know. Get to me at davidsampsonpodcast.com. On Twitter, if you want, David P. Sampson. I'm just curious. 
Am I in the minority, majority? And the beautiful part is it doesn't matter where you are because it's you and there's no wrong answer. Wherever you feel most alive, that should be your North Star. That should be where you try to allocate your time, your energy, your passion. Because don't take life for granted. Bad things happen to good people every day, just as bad things happen to bad people. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. You hear that, you don't believe it until you start getting sick and then you realize, wow, everyone was right. Then you feel better and you go right back to doing what you were doing. Take stock right now. Well, starting in 18 minutes. I feel most alive when blank. Well, I love the questions. This is a great segment that uh, Coca came up with from the movie Half-Baked. It's a segment called So You Want to Talk to Samson where people ask me questions and that they want me to answer on a show or answer through email or text or whatever the answer is. So Coca, what do we got today? You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Hello, David. Hello. There was recently an announcement in my city about our NBA team. Today, the mayor proudly announced that he had finished negotiations with the Thunder and got the city one heck of a deal. A 95-5 split for the new arena. They've been very careful about what is said, but we are told that the city is on the hook for approximately $700 million. How does something this ridiculous happen? Thank you so much for your opinion. Love the show. So let's talk about what's going on in Oklahoma City because when I saw the article, I assumed that my eyes were blurry. I needed to go back to the drugstore and change those 1.5s into 1.75s. Because what I saw was Oklahoma City was building a new arena for the Oklahoma City Thunder where they have Durant, Westbrook, and Harden on their team. And they were building it with all public money except 50 million by the current owners. And I said, that's obviously a mistake. It's 50-50. It's a $900 million arena, 450 from the city, 450 from the ownership. Maybe 75-25, 66-33, and then fight over the last 1%. But no, I rubbed my eyes, I undilated my pupils, and I saw that the Oklahoma City deal is fully publicly financed other than $50 million. And the $50 million that is being offered by the owners of the Thunder is being looked at by the public government, by the politicians, as a great boon, as a great change because the previous arena had this many private dollars. If you're not watching on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube, you don't know that I put my fingers in a circle for zilch, nada, zippo. Fully publicly funded. So I looked at, I dug a little deeper. Do you know how you funded that stadium in Oklahoma City? With a one cent sales tax. Sales tax. Do you know that when you go buy something, you pay sales tax? 
when you visit a place and buy something in the place where you're visiting and buy something, you pay sales tax. Do you ever wonder where that sales tax goes to? That sales tax is available for improvements throughout that particular county, city, state, for roads, teachers, firefighters, services, parks, infrastructure. But when there's a sales tax for a sports team, that's an entirely different debate. There's this, and this has happened before. When we did Marlins Park, we did not increase any taxes. We used tourist taxes only and used the existing revenue stream from the tourist taxes that already existed, which are meant only for sports arenas and convention centers, definitionally from the state legislature. Oklahoma City did something a little different because there was a one cent sales tax that was agreed to by the great people of Oklahoma City, and I love Oklahoma City. And what is now happening is they are saying, we're going to extend it. We're not gonna let it expire the way you thought. We're gonna extend the sales tax. And from that, we're gonna take all the money that we get and give it to the Thunder for the new arena. It's brilliant if you're the Thunder. It's not terrible if you're Oklahoma City because you've got the talking point. And the talking point is very simple. That the method of using sales tax means, and this is what they all will say, we are sharing the burden of our great arena and our great professional sports team, the only one we have. We're sharing it with the great visitors who enjoy coming to Oklahoma City. Do you know why people in the Convention Visitors Bureau or people who are in charge, the Chambers of Commerce, the people in charge of bringing people to your city, the reason why they fight increase in sales tax is when you are negotiating to get a conference, when you're negotiating to have a business relocate to your city, you are negotiating against other places. And what people who are booking conventions and groups or businesses what they're looking at is cost of living. They're looking at the amenities of the city where they're gonna be. They're looking at what the taxes that are going to be paid by the people who are staying in the hotel. They wanna see a breakdown of the hotel taxes. They wanna see what the sales taxes are. And they do spreadsheets and that's how they decide, do we wanna go to Oklahoma City or do you wanna go to Mobile or do you wanna go to New York or do you wanna go to San Fran, Lubbock? Choose whatever city you want. East Lansing, Gary. So Oklahoma City politicians get together and they make the decision that this is okay because we are getting X number of visitors, X number of business with the sales tax that's already been in existence. So therefore, we're not gonna lose any business by keeping the sales tax going but they're not taking into account what if they got to lower the sales tax and use that as a sales pitch. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it's absolutely a good use of money. When you're Oklahoma City, having a sports team makes dollars and cents. So my answer to you is, this is not so ridiculous. This happens to make perfect sense. And the fact that you have an ownership group willing to put in the $50 million, that's a step.
when the next stadium is ready in however many years, it will continue to go up. But in your community with one sports team, you don't really wanna lose that sports team, do you? I appreciate that question. Stadiums are a uh, pretty complicated issue. We've spent a lot of hours talking about getting new stadiums and what kind of leverage we bring to bear in trying to get a stadium. I've told you that Tampa Bay is not moving. They need a new stadium in baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays. They're going to get it, but only at the very end, right when your fingers are barely hanging on to the El Capitano and your name is Free Solo. God, that would have been so much better if I had that guy's name right in my head, Coca. I only had the movie in my head. Right to the edge. Well, guess what? Alex, yes. Did you really know that in your head? Good for you. You're younger than I am, though. You ought to have that in your head. Stuart Sternberg is the owner of the Rays. Stuart Sternberg is a wildly successful owner and a wildly successful business person. He has run a team that all of us are jealous of. He gave a talk the other day trying to explain what was happening in his stadium update, and there were a couple of interesting nuggets that I wanted to bring to your attention. When you own a team and you're one of 30 owners in Major League Baseball, you don't need to hire an investment bank to sell your team. Now, it may upset investment banks and consulting companies who get paid millions and millions of dollars. We sold the Marlins without hiring anybody. The reason why you would hire someone is that you identify strategic partners and strategic buyers. When you own a team, you get unsolicited offers every Martin Gdanishtik, every Monday and Wednesday, multiple times a week, people are calling and saying, hi, my name is John Cocktoston and I'd like to buy your team. Oh, did you read about us? Do you know the, the surveys that you do? How did you hear about us? Online marketing? An Instagram ad? From your friends? Other? Do you know what teams do not do? Is survey that question. We don't need to spend money to get you to know that there's a team in Tampa. Rich people, rich companies, hedge funds, Venture capital firms, they're aware, sovereign funds everywhere around the world, they're all aware that there's only X number of teams. So they're calling on these teams and saying, hey, how you doing today? And I'd always respond, the team's not for sale, but we're always willing to listen. It's sort of like when you're talking to other GMs. No, Cabrera is not available for trade, but we're willing to listen until one time you call and say, oh yeah, he is available for trade. Stu Sternberg has gotten unsolicited calls to sell his team. And he decided to go on the offensive. And I like it. He said, more people are approaching us as a result of us being out there trying to raise money. He's talking about the fact that he's out there raising money because he knows he has to contribute to the stadium that he told us is now gonna be in St. Pete. He is selling shares of his team to raise money to put his share of 
construction costs for a new building in Tampa, in St. Pete. Great. They're trying to raise hundreds of millions of dollars. When you're out there trying to raise hundreds of millions of dollars, we told you there are different ways to go. You can go to the capital markets. But when you do that and you already have a high level of debt, and you have no backstory to prove that the new stadium is gonna change your financials, you will end up at Goldman Sachs. Sound familiar? And you will end up, not us, you will end up paying a large interest rate, having huge amounts of debt service. It's the same thing with your mortgage. The higher your mortgage interest rate, the higher your monthly payments are. And the reason why your interest rates are so high, in addition to what interest rates are in the country, it's what your credit is. What's the likelihood that we're going to have to own your house one day? That's the same thing that happens with sports teams. What's the likelihood that your team is not going to increase its revenue and you're not going to have the money to repay our stadium debt? What are we going to do? I get it. We'll charge more interest. And what Sternberg said is instead of that, in addition to that, we're going to go out and sell shares of the team. And if anyone wants to not be a limited partner, but buy the entire team. Here's the problem, Tampa citizens. They'll want to move it. Let's think about that for a minute. What Stuart Sternberg was so brilliantly doing, and he is really good at PR. He wants you to believe that he is the savior of baseball in Tampa, which he is. He wants you to believe that without his generous contribution to a stadium, but for there be no team. He's right. If you wanted me and if I do cash out and take my billion and a half dollars, which of course he wouldn't get because he's got partners and there's debt on the team, but that's the enterprise value. What I would be doing would be handing over a team for it to be relocated because I believe in Tampa, I can't get anyone else to. What an interesting thing and smart thing to say. I'm going to be making a significant contribution to a new stadium here in Tampa. Please like me, support our team, understand the winning we've done, and let's fix this once and for all. Because the alternative is not me going around in a cowboy hat and cowboy boots and sitting in the stadium in Houston or San Antonio or going to Vegas or Oakland or Nashville or Montreal or whatever the case may be, or a third city in New York, which is something that he's always and many of us have always wanted to see happen. No, that's not it. The alternative is very simple. You're not gonna have a team. So people in Tampa St. Pete and people in baseball and people who are trying to get expansion should be very happy because the Tampa Bay Rays stadium situation is very close to being announced and solved and finalized. And that means we are a moment closer to expansion, which means we're a moment closer to 32 teams. God knows teams have too many talented pitchers now. We might as well spread them out. Nothing personal pick of the day. The fade is strong. You had the Mets over the Diamondbacks and you won. I had the Diamondbacks over the Mets. I lost. 124 and 129. Yikes. Zach Gallen, my main man, Zach, not winning the Cy Young, finished. I think it's pretty much obvious what's going to happen now in the National League. 
Hard to believe with all the things I've said about Blake Snell, Mr. Five and Dive, I cannot argue with the fact that he has been really this year's Sandy Alcantara. A really good pitcher for a really mediocre team. And that's what Blake Snell is. He's a really good pitcher for a really mediocre Padres team. We are three weeks away from the Padres being absolutely done. God, can you imagine what our show is going to be at the end of the regular season when it's official? When we get to do all of our wait to sees of what this season was going to be, and I told you the Padres weren't going to do anything, I can't take the credit yet because they're not eliminated. When I told you what would happen with the Mets, oh, I can't wait for those receipts. All right, what do we got tonight? What is going on with the Blue Jays? Come on. Kevin Gasman's going to get Nathan Avaldi. I'm going to watch that game. This is a major series, Blue Jays Rangers. The Blue Jays got to get a game. Vladdy, let's go. We're taking the Blue Jays over the Rangers. But I'm also going to be watching the NFL. Does anyone else find, side note here for a second, Koga. Do you find how quickly the NFL season goes? where we start off and it's week one, and then you turn around and it's week 12. Well, we're already in week two. And I thought week one, I guess that's what happens when the week is Thursday to Monday. So really you only have Tuesday and Wednesday in between because week two is starting tonight. And the great Philadelphia Eagles are playing against the outstanding Super Bowl bound Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are getting six points. The Eagles barely covered against the Patriots, dealing with a bunch of injuries. I feel pretty good about my pick because don't fade me in football quite yet. We got last Thursday's pick right, or last Sunday's pick. We got last Thursday's pick wrong. We got Sunday's pick right. We're taking the Vikings plus six versus the Eagles. I think I'm gonna watch the Kelsey documentary today on Amazon and review that tomorrow when we talk about the fact that the Vikings plus six was a winner over the Eagles. Until then, have a great day. And don't forget to get to me or get to yourself about what makes you feel most alive. It's just business. This is nothing personal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.